It's Success Happens on 930 WFMD, blending business and politics. Success Happens with your host, Jen Charlton. Good morning and welcome. Welcome. It is so good to be with you guys here today. And it's the last show before the midterm elections. Woohoo! You know, it has been brutal. I mean, this couple of years leading up to this, you know, first of all, my hat is off. Literally, it's off. But my hat is off to all candidates. I don't care if you're in the left, you're an independent running, you're in the right. Thank you for running. Really. It is a blood sport, as evidenced by some of the nonsense going on, which we're going to cover today. But I want to remind us of something, that this is our opportunity to speak our truth and to ensure that Nobody else is in charge of our country but us. Our voice, our vote, our convictions are on the ballot. And it's really, really important for you to get out and vote. Vote on November 8th. I know a lot of people voted early and there's some big numbers coming in for voting early. I believe one person, one vote on one day. I also believe we ought to be hand-counting them at the precinct level. This nonsense of computers running our, our and, and, and questioning the integrity of our election process because we have machines doing things that we don't even understand. And frankly, some of the election uh, staff don't understand. They don't know what's going on. So I want to deal with something. We're not election deniers. Okay, we want truth. We want a fair process. We want integrity in the election process. But for those people who keep flipping narratives, because this is what the liberals do, right? They flip the narrative on us. On November 3rd, 2020, they stole the election. Yes, they did. And on January, and we called that an insurrection. Because if you're stealing the elections and if Iran is involved, Okay, we have evidence that Iran was involved in flipping our votes in 2020. We, you know, this is the stuff that we're dealing with. And there's an international interference in our election process. By the way, there's an executive order that kicks in. Okay, that changes the whole enchilada about what we're what we're doing and how we're doing it. Okay, so we'll cover that at some point in the future, not today, but. When the November 3rd, 2020 election occurred and November 4th, everything was switchy, switchied. Okay, we called that an insurrection. Then on Jan 6th, the shenanigans that went on, okay, they decided to call, they flipped it on us, flipped the narrative on us, and called it an insurrection. Okay, likewise, right now, we're dealing with um, these flipping of narratives and people saying that we're election deniers. No, you're a fraud denier if you're unwilling to look at the truth and see the evidence. And that includes all the people up to the courts. So we got to be willing to deal with what's so. It's like my son, you know, if he comes in and he says something and I know it's not true. I'm like, come on, man, you're going to have to come clean. Okay, you're going to have to tell me the truth because we're not dealing in lies and opinions. We're dealing in what really happened. 
So all that being said, you know, our constitutional rights are at stake here. Our freedom is at stake here. This election is the election of a lifetime, but it's also the election that will determine our future as a nation and our future as a state. Now, I've come out and I've said I support Dan Cox for governor. Why? Because he helped me save my business. He stood up for businesses and he said, we have constitutional rights that do not get to be usurped by somebody in power through executive orders and and, uh, emergency use authorizations, EUAs, that put us at a disadvantage and we were powerless Remember the $5,000 fine that some young lady on the shore got when she tried to operate her business during COVID. All of this is at stake, you guys. And they don't want us to remember, but we remember. And we will never forget. I want you to know I went out and I got my concealed carry. I'm now certified to apply for a concealed carry permit because that's my right. It's my right to protect my family or my business. And so all of that's at stake. Westmore has no interest in you having the ability to protect yourself while they're shooting and killing young kids in Baltimore City where they have strong uh, gun laws. None of it makes any sense. But you got to start dealing with who are the leaders who are going to restore our republic. So I have today on with me to start with Mark Mix, who is the president of National Right to Work. And this is another constitutional issue as far as I'm concerned. People should have the freedom to choose to participate or not in a union. And they should not suffer repercussions or damages if they don't play ball according to the wills of the union leaders in whatever industry you're dealing with. Could be education, it could be the electrical union, right? So a man or woman is worthy of their pay based on their appearance, uh, their experience, what the market will bear, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So In a capitalistic society, we believe that that kind of gets handled in there. But when they're wielding their power as a union to make legislative change in Annapolis or D.C. or Richmond or Harrisburg, it's about them um, as a power block and you lose your voice as an individual. So good morning and welcome, Mark, back to Success Happens, blending business and politics. And that's exactly what National Right to Work is about. It's great to have you back. Well, Jen, it's great to be on with you. Thanks for the opportunity. And I appreciate your monologue, particularly the, the point you made about people that, that have the courage to stand up and run for office. I'll tell you, you're, you are right. I, I often use that term blood sport when I describe what happens in election, electoral politics. And, and to hear you use it, I, and I believe there's others out there that think the same way. It really is. And, and hats off to no matter what your ideology is, I mean, to stand up and say, I'm, I'm going to stand on my beliefs and, and I ask for your support. Uh, some people get that support. Some people don't, irregardless of of, uh, of that. But thank you for saying that, because that's how this grand experiment in self-government has to work. And and so I appreciate the opportunity to be on and talk a little bit about that, particularly 
in the context of, of the right to associate and the freedom of speech and all those other constitutional issues that I think we can get into if, we, if you want to go that far. I do. I do. Let's do yeah. it because the Constitution is at stake right now. It's being chipped away at. Uh, pretty pretty harshly. So let's start with the National Right to Work um, organization identifies different races that you feel like you can make a difference in those states. Could you speak to that kind of commitment and process so people understand? Yeah, Jen. I mean, we as a 501c4 organization, the National Right to Work Committee, we don't endorse or support candidates. We don't ask you to vote for anybody or tell you to vote for anybody or encourage you to vote for anybody. What we do and this is one of the, I think, one of the most important parts of, of this system of government that we have. We make sure that people that are making decisions about who they're going to support understand the positions as it relates to right to work. And that is who believes in forced unionism, who believes in individual freedom when it comes to your choice about who you associate with. So basically what we do is we, we follow the legislative session, whether it be in Maryland or in Washington, D.C. or Harrisburg or Richmond, as you mentioned, or any other state that where there's legislative activity. We follow the issues there, and the issues that are related to how you interact with a labor union are things that we pay attention to. And then, at the appropriate time, we will let you know where the candidates stand on the issue. So what, one of the things we do with people that aren't in elective office now is we survey them. We ask them a question. Do you believe a worker should be forced to join or pay dues to a union in order to get or keep a job? Very simple yes-no question. Obviously, people that, uh, that support compulsion don't want to answer it yes or no, and they generally don't answer it. They just say, well, forget you. We're not going to tell you. But our job at Right to Work is to make sure that people across the state or in a particular congressional district know where the candidates stand on issues. So we send out a, a survey to all the candidates running for office. We ask them the, uh, probably anywhere from maybe five to eight questions about forced association and labor unions and the and the law that exists, unfortunately, today at the federal level and in many states like Maryland. And we ask them questions about that, and we ask them to answer it. And then when they answer it, we send that out to people that have indicated they support our issue or are interested in our issue or at some point interacted with it, and we tell them where the candidates stand. And then you make up your mind, Jen, about where you want to stand. Many, Lots of other organizations do that, but that's what we do, and we focus on the issue of forced unionism versus individual freedom when it comes to union participation. So I think that's so brilliant because it, we were just talking coming in, and I have with me everybody, Natalie Abbas, my dear friend in studio with me, we'll have her uh, share a bit. But, you know, this idea that we have to be informed voters and people are saying stuff that just isn't the truth. So you cannot rely on... <clears throat> frankly, mainstream media, of which I guess I am. I'm kind of in this weird in-between. But, you know, the you can't rely on mainstream media to give you the proper information because they are going to bias the information. You, on the other hand, say, here's what's so about, you know, unionism in whatever jurisdictions, right? And I think that's mm-hmm. it's wonderful that an organization like yourself is informing the public. However, I think that there's a lot of people that don't understand your organization and don't get the information. What's the best way for them to reach out and figure out how their candidates in their respective areas weighed in on this? Because they may not be learning it from media. 
Yeah, you, you can get information about where the candidates stand and, and where these where you know, we follow legislation in every all fifty states, and it's on the website that we have. You can go to the little map and you can click on Pennsylvania if you're listening there, or click on Maryland if you're listening there, or Virginia if you're listening there, or West Virginia, and you can you can track the legislation that we were interested in that had an impact on forced unionism. The idea of union officials getting more power to force more workers into their into their unions so they can raise more money to spend more on politics. It's kind of that vicious cycle that uh, that happens when you when you allow a private organization to have the type of compulsion and the type of privilege that unions have. I mean, and, and Jen, just, just to start out, I mean, I grew up in a union household. My stepfather was a 23-year, excuse me, 32-year member of the International Association of Machinists. My mom worked in a school district in New York State where she was in the union. My brother was a, a school teacher and, and just retired as a as a, it's represented by the American Federation of Teachers. So, you know, unions want to say that being for individual freedom and individual choice is somehow anti-union. It's not. I mean, we believe that union officials would be a whole lot better off if they focused on what the, the workers they claim to represent want on the shop floor as opposed to what's going on in Annapolis or Harrisburg or Richmond or Washington, D.C., and playing politics. And the reason why they have to play politics, Jen, is because their privilege and their power is resident of government action. And and it goes way beyond volunteerism, and, and it's really a, a failed recipe for them in the long term. And, and that's why 27 states have passed right-to-work laws, which simply say – you have the ability to choose whether or not you want to financially support a labor union. And when you overlay the information that's provided on our website at nrtwc.org, nrtwc, National Right to Work Committee.org, and you look at the legislation, you look how they vote, you look where they stand on these issues, then you can make an informed decision about whether or not you think forcing workers into unions um, and paying dues and fees in order to keep their jobs is the right thing, or uh, that you believe that an individual worker should have the ability to choose. And everything we do at the Right to Work Committee and the Right to Work Foundation is about focused on employees. I mean, we represent only employees in our litigation where we help workers exercise their rights in the workplace. But that's where they can find information about it. And, Jen, to your point, your lead there. I mean, this system of government ordained by our, our declaration and our constitution does not work unless people are informed about what government's doing. And government's got way off track. They do a whole lot more than they're supposed to. But the reason that happens is because we don't pay attention, and we have to pay attention. Okay, so this is this is great, you guys. I, I really appreciate the work that you all do. So I would recommend, I know that I'm a donor to the organization. You have two sides of the house there. You have the nrtwc.org, org that mm-hmm. you know that you've just spoken about and then you have another side of of the organization could you speak to that yeah that's the national right to work legal defense foundation that's nrtw.org and that is we've been around since 1968 and all we do our 21 staff attorneys provide legal representation and free legal advice and representation to employees who have a problem with the idea that they're being forced to support causes and ideas they don't like, uh, being being forced to have a union represent them in the workplace where they can't speak to their employer themselves. We've made 18 trips to the United States Supreme Court on behalf of individual employees. At any given time, we have anywhere from 200 to 250 active legal cases on behalf of employees across the country. Uh, we help people understand their rights first and foremost, and then if they many, many of them have the courage to stand up and fight for their rights, we're more than willing to partner with them and and go as far as we can to establish precedents that have pe- that 
protect other workers as well. And for example, the last Supreme Court victory won in 2018 was a case called Janice v. Asme. Uh, this was on behalf of the one single employee in the state of Illinois who stood up and said, I don't want to be compelled to support a union that spends my money this way and forces me to associate with them. And we took that that case of a government employee all the way to the U.S. Supreme Court. And in June of 2018, a majority of the court said that all government employees across the country at every level have a constitutional right, um, for a free speech right, to avoid being forced to pay fees to a union in order to work. So we have right to work protections for all government employees at the lowest level of government to the highest level of government. We still haven't gotten that in the private sector. Uh, that's another battle, and we're continuing to fight that. Okay. But that's what the foundation does. Very good. So everybody, support them. They need the finances to do this important work that protects the workers and frankly protects the businesses. So I think we all have an interest in, in, in preserving our freedom of speech and freedom of rights to affiliate or associate. Now, I'd like to bring on another. Uh, so let's talk a little bit about the candidates. We have uh, Neil Parrott, who's running for Congress. He completed that survey and you all have recognized his work and, and commitment to the National Right to Work movement. Uh, we also have Dan Cox has also signed that um, document and submitted. Um, could you uh, – so good morning, Neil. Are you there? Good morning, Jim. I am here. <laughs> Hopefully our future congressman. Um, so, Mark, we have Neil Parrott on and just really appreciate that. Um, so, Neil, would you please share about um, – where we are in terms of your race, and how, what are your thoughts about this national right to work? Well, the race is very, very exciting. It's it's really encouraging to see a lot of people getting out and voting. Uh, anyone who's listening, this is going to be a close election. I sued the state of Maryland and won uh, because they had drawn a very gerrymandered map. They had on purpose divided Frederick County in two, and not just in two, but they did it in such a way that they would pick the politicians who are going to win in advance. That's just not fair. Uh, thankfully, uh, the courts threw it out. She called it an, a, an extreme partisan gerrymander. Now Frederick County is all together in the Western Maryland Congressional District. And this is going to be a very, very close race. Every single vote is going to count. I'm not just asking for everyone to vote. For me, Neil Perry, I'm someone who lives here, someone you can count on, someone who is trustworthy. Uh, it, it's just very, very exciting as we're coming down to the end here. Uh, the excitement that's on the ground, that people are volunteering. Even today we have teams out um, door knocking. I'll be out later today door knocking and talking to voters and encouraging them to vote our way. Okay. Now we talk about Neil, hold that right thought. I want to take a very quick break. We want to bring Mark back on because I want you guys to interact about this because I think it's really important what's going on, and then we can go on to some of the other issues with your race. Everybody, you're listening to WFMD. I've got Neil Parrott on the line. We just have Mark Mix, who's the president of National Right to Work, with us as well. Stand by. We'll be right back. Success Happens is brought to you in part by Flamingo Pool Supply, Industry Lane Frederick, the best for your pool today. When was the last time you had fresh homemade ice cream? Sweeties on the Creek is making ice cream. Stop in and taste our fresh made selections, including dairy free and all natural flavors. Enjoy a fresh cup of coffee with creamy shaker sundae. Taste a new fun flavor or an old yummy favorite. Sweeties, fresh made from cow to cone. Sweeties on the Creek, just up from Market Street. We're scooping now. This is Natalie Abbas. 
with an election fraud update. A recently filed RICO racketeering case, Gibson v. Maryland, includes defendants from 21 Maryland jurisdictions, Baltimore City, state and local election boards, and CTCL, which is a nonprofit funded by Facebook CEO Mark Zuckerberg with Zuckerbugs. Also included are other unknown defendants. The case alleges that CTCL paid local boards $6.2 million and paid people to commit election fraud. If you saw something, say something. Email me at natalieaboss13 at gmail.com. Your information will be confidential. Make a difference, volunteer, or donate today to help with legal costs. Send checks payable to Charlton Scientific 501c3 nonpartisan nonprofit to P.O. Box 370, Woodsboro, Maryland 21798. For more information, email natalieaboss13 at gmail.com. Help us ensure free and fair elections. Thank you. Past editions of this program are available in the audio vault at WFMD.com, a service of Holtzapple Heating and Air Conditioning. Welcome back to Success Happens. This is Jen, and I have with me today Neil Parrott running for Congress. Okay, Neil, so talk to me a little bit about why is national right to work and this idea of uh, the freedoms that come with deciding who we affiliate with, who we associate with, and and frankly, how they spend our hard-earned dollars, you know, these unions. What are your thoughts about that? Well, one thing I'm just going to start with is I'm very disappointed with the firefighting uh, union in Frederick. They've come out and they've endorsed two candidates. They didn't even talk to me. Uh, and I think it's just ridiculous that they got involved in this race. I'm wondering, actually, if my opponent, David Trone, is funding them. Uh, to get these mailers out. Uh, it's very disappointing. But my point in that is there are a lot of unions, people who are in that union that I've talked to who completely disagree with this campaign that they have to go against my campaign. It's just, it's just wrong. And thankfully, though, they don't have to join that union because they're public sector now uh, in order to be there. So, you know, for those who are part of the union, you might just want to get out because they're not using your money wisely and they're not actually helping you. Now, for unions in general, this has been a long-term issue for me. So I uh, was elected in 2010, started in 2011, and the Maryland House of Delegates actually passed bills to say that teachers had to join unions. I voted against that. I think that people should be able to have a choice. You know, most teachers join the union because the unions have something good to offer them, Uh, but some didn't, and had the freedom to do so. There are actually alternate unions, alternate ways that they can get insurance if they want that. I actually presented some alternate ways to teachers in Washington County when I was first elected, but that choice was there. Now, thankfully, uh, Mark mentioned this. There was a court case that came up after Maryland had already done this, Janice versus AFSCME, which gave public employees freedom again to decide if they wanted to join a union or not. That was a great decision, and now people have that freedom. Uh, if, they can, if they think the unions offer them a lot, they can join, which is a good choice. Or if people say they'd rather not, they also have that choice, which can be a good choice. And people have alternate unions that they can join. You don't have to join just the one that's been adopted by the agency. You could actually join a different union if you'd like to, or join just a, um, a group that will give you insurance that you gotcha. might want to have. 
So here's what I want to say. You know, uh, Neil, do me a favor. Hang on. We've got Mike Huff calling in. We're going to have a lot of candidates this morning, everybody. We're going to take a quick break for news and weather. But what Neil is saying about the educational unions, this is something every parent and, frankly, every worker in the educational system needs to be paying attention to because this is real right now with the educational, the State Board of Education, the, the unions, and the parents And it's time for us to all stand up against the nonsense that they're imposing on us through wielding their power for political purposes. And I'm talking about CRT, indoctrination, and lewd and crude videos and books and training materials being exposed to our children that you couldn't see on family television. We'll be right back. Success Happens is brought to you in part by Flamingo Pool Supply, Industry Lane Frederick. The best for your pool today. The following program does not necessarily reflect the views of the staff or management of WFMD. Welcome back to Success Happens. This is Jen. We're doing rapid fire right now with candidates because we want to get everybody in. And Neil, I really thank you for wrapping around the the break here. Uh, I don't want to interrupt you again, but would you please share your final thoughts about this race. I mean, it couldn't be a starker difference between candidates. And David Trone carries the water for the Democrat Party. Anybody who's paying attention right now knows, and look, I know I'm, I'm singing to the choir, okay? But anybody who's paying attention right now understands that the country is in demise because of the Democrats. They own all of it. There's no way to say, well, you know, he's a nice guy. I don't care. We are in a position right now where we're trying to save our nation. And every, every voice and, and, and vote in the legislature in Washington is critical to restoring our republic. And you are one of those people. So we need you to get elected. How's it going, Neil? Well, first, let me just comment on the nice guy. David Trone is not a nice guy. He's one of the meanest people I've ever seen. He's lied about me, deceived people, trying to deceive every single voter in this district. We had to set up a website called The Truth about TroneAndParent.com to go after each one of these lies. He spent millions of dollars lying. He's not a nice person, and he's trying to deceive us all. And actually, he has deceiving business practices. He's been arrested three different times because of his deceiving business practices. He doesn't show up for work. He's not a good representation for us. Um, now is our chance to get real representation back for Western Maryland. Look, we have to fight inflation. I feel badly for seniors and other people on fixed incomes as they're struggling to decide how they're going to purchase the groceries that they need. It is this winter especially. They're going to have a really hard time heating their homes. A lot of their costs will be two times or more what it was last year. So they're going to have to choose between heating and eating. That should never be the case, not in America. But the decisions that David Trone and the Democrats have made have put us in this terrible place where we are now where it costs so much energy independence they got rid of it we had it two years ago when they took office now it's not there we have to get it back enforcing the law david trone voted to defund the police i'm neil parrott i will support the police i will make sure that we stop fentanyl at the border he keeps bragging about how he wants to fight addiction well he does nothing 
Nothing. Yeah, if you, if, if, if the country. border is a Swiss cheese and you support Biden et al., I, I, I refer to him as O'Biden and his pals, okay, if you support what they have done to this border or you don't stand up vocally against it, and by the way, I've heard nothing, if you don't stand up against it, uh, David Trone, then you accept it, you condone it, you are part of the problem, and you got to go. Uh, that's exactly right. Even just that one issue right there would be enough to say no. Uh, and then education. We have to improve education. We have to make sure that parents are able to be involved in their kids' education. He thinks that they're the experts. Just leave it to them. Let me tell you what. If I have a problem and uh, the cancer or anything else, I'm not going to go to just one doctor. I'm going to get a second opinion. I'm going to make my own decision. I'm not just going to say, oh, he's the expert. I'm going to do what he says. No. I'm going to get second opinions, and that's what parents need to be able to do. They need to be able to have some choice in what schools they send their children to, and they need to make sure that they have some input on the curriculum and even what's in the libraries. What's happening now is just it's just wrong. Okay, uh, I, so, I heard, Neil, I uh, want to cut you off because I got Michael Huff, who's running for county executive, racked up next. I just want to thank you again for running for office. You know, you've got my vote. You're in my you're my representative. I choose you. And listen, everybody, you got to get out there and encourage people to be informed. And if they're not informed, take the time to inform them on these differences. You got to know thy candidates, and you got to be bold right now with your fellow voters because otherwise they make. A, a bad decision based on ignorance. Neil, God bless you. Godspeed. Good luck on Tuesday. May you win. Thank you. Thank you, Jennifer. Neil, Neil Parrott running for Congress in District 6. Okay, now we have Michael Huff running for County Executive in Frederick County, Maryland. Good morning, Mike. Welcome to Success Happens. It's good to have you back. Yeah, good morning. Good to be here. So tell us, Mike, how's it going with your race? Uh, obviously, you're the conservative choice, but I think also you you understand that you have to operate in the middle to to meet the needs of all. You know, one of the things that people forget is when you're running in the general, you know that you're going to be representing each and every person in the the district in which you're running. So in this case, it's Frederick County. So you you don't get to pick and choose who you represent. You represent everybody if you become the new county executive. So tell us about that. Well, you, you got it right. You know, Frederick County, uh, when I got back involved in politics here 20 years ago, the first campaign I volunteered on, it's a very deeply red county. <laughs> it's now become a purple county. I don't think it's a blue county. It's certainly not a red county. It's a more of a purple county. But I think that I have a track record. I am a conservative, as you said, but I have a track record in the General Assembly of working across the aisle, getting things done, big things, criminal justice reform, where we locked up more violent offenders. We got more money for drug treatment. And my opponent, though, if you look at her, it's funny, she's got Jan Gardner out at the very end, uh, you know, trying to prop her up. Jan Gardner looks like, and Jan, you know, I, I disagreed on some issues like her raising taxes and other things, but Jan looks like Ronald Reagan compared to Jessica Fitzwater. I mean, Jessica Fitzwater is the new radical, you know, Elizabeth Warren, Bernie Sanders, that wing of the party that's anti-police, you know, for pushing in high-density housing in the county. This is a, a very radical new wing of the party. And certainly this election, you couldn't have a bigger contrast. And when I started off running, I said I want to stop the county from becoming Montgomery County North. And if we elect a radical you know, far left person like Jessica Fitzwater, 
will we'll look like our politics will be just like Montgomery County, where Mark Elridge, who's a socialist down there, is running the county. So we cannot allow that to happen. And the only way we stop it is on Tuesday if people come out and vote. Okay, now let's talk about affordable housing. This this notion of live, work, and play, which everybody loves the idea of not having to schlep anywhere, Baltimore or D.C., to to get to work. But you also need to have affordable housing. You need to have the jobs here in Frederick County. What are your thoughts about, first of all, affordable housing here in Frederick County? Because I I think that's an issue for people. A lot of people are moving to either Pennsylvania or Hagerstown to uh, afford where to live. I think it's so ironic that on on the left and people like Jessica Fitzwater, they talk about affordable housing. But all this county government has done over the last eight years is make housing more unaffordable. For example, they increased the recordation tax, which you pay when you purchase a home. They've increased your property taxes eight years in a row. Even when they had $120 million in surpluses the last two years, they raised your property taxes. Even when they shut down your businesses with COVID, they raised your property taxes. I live in Brunswick, a municipality. That means we are taxed double. If you live in the city of Frederick or another uh, municipality, you, you have the same circumstance. My property taxes, I pulled my bill out the last four years, have gone up $500 every year. That's $2,000 more I pay. That is driving seniors out. That's driving longtime residents out because they cannot afford to live here anymore. So the first thing that has to happen is we need to stop raising property taxes. We need to freeze property taxes in this county. And will you do that? Absolutely. Absolutely. I'll do that. And just to show you how fiscally irresponsible they've been, as I said, it was $120 million in surpluses the last two years. It would have cost one of those years $9 million to simply not raise property taxes. And they said, no, they wouldn't do it. Because one of the reasons is in order to be, and I heard you talk about the teachers union earlier, in order to be endorsed by them and supported by them, their questionnaire they sent me, you pledged to them that you will continue to raise property taxes. It's just wrong and it's got to stop. So with the tax issue, doesn't that also require coordination with your county council because they do budget? So how are you going to ensure, you know, look, we got a county council members we need to be voting in to be effective. Just like in, in Washington, you've got all the Democrats running everything and look where we are. We're in total, you know, we're in a downward spiral as a nation. Well, that same phenomenon will occur here locally unless we have the at least balance and right now there's no balance to speak of on the county council they have all the power and here you go we've got increased property taxes and all the nonsense around the school system and oh by the way the state board of election or the local board of election you know voted to do early counting so they'd know where we stand and you know frankly can i think manipulate the system but that's because i'm a cynic but but, Michael, what about working with the county council? we got to get them in, too. Absolutely. And we have a great slate of candidates on the Republican side for county council. I'll start off with John Distel. He's running in the Braddock Heights, Middletown, Brunswick, Jefferson, Urbana, that area. If you look at the incumbent there, Jerry Donald's won twice by a handful of votes. This time he's got an opponent in John Distel who's been out through neighborhoods two to three times, knocking on every door. Jerry, I don't even know where he's been. He's been absent. He hasn't been campaigning as he's taking it for granted. But Okay, hold on. Let uh, me weigh in there, Mike. 
And then we've got Angela yeah. McIntosh will be on with us in just a couple of minutes. So, but I want to I want to say with with uh, Jerry McDonald and 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 frankly Fitzwater because she was also part of the educational system, right? There's an inherent conflict of interest when more than fifty percent of your budget, you're the county, is education then you voting on that budget is an absolute, you know, you'd normally withdraw from a vote like that because it's a conflict of interest. It's your employer. You have any thoughts about that? Yeah, I mean, that's that's obvious. You know, Jessica Fitzwater and Jerry Donald the last couple of years have obviously been voting to increase their own salaries. Uh, and it, it certainly does look like a conflict to me and a lot of taxpayers. That's why I think they've shown little regard for the taxpayers and more for increasing government budgets. And, you know, so we have a chance to change this. So I need voters when they go out on Tuesday, not only to vote themselves, but people listening to your program, they can help. Call your friends, text your friends, put on social media, the whole thing. Because the only way we win in Frederick County, Democrats get out and they vote in large numbers early, early and by mail. So Republicans have got to, and conservatives and, you know, people in the middle, people that don't want to become Montgomery County, they need to get out there and vote and spread the words of their friends on Election Day. And you need to vote. We have great candidates for council. we got Tony Schmelick. we got Phil Dacey, Shelley Alloy, John Furr. we got great people running up and down the ballot on the Republican side on the council. And this is your chance. If you want a county government that is accountable to you, accountable to taxpayers, that will bring businesses here, that will get development under control, will build roads, and we need your vote on November the 8th. Wonderful. And and who are the two at-large candidates you recommend for county council? Tony Schmelick and Phil Dacey. Those You're... are the two Republicans. Good. Those are the two candidates that have pledged to work with me on the issues I talked about, about yeah. cutting property taxes and really restoring balance to this county as far as growth of government spending and growth of development and housing. Yeah. Both great guys, highly committed. And Shelly Alloy, shout out for Shelly because she, Shelly really understands numbers and, and you need people on there who can really crunch those numbers as well. Everybody, listen, you're listening to Success Happens. Thank you, Mike. Good luck on, on Tuesday. Good luck through this, uh, this whole process. And thank you for running and standing up for Frederick County. Mike Huff for County Executive of Frederick County, Maryland. Okay, now I'd like to bring on Miss Angela McIntosh. Good morning, Angela. Good morning, Jennifer. How are you? Oh, my goodness. I am doing so well. It is so great to have you on. And thank you for availing yourself on this on this sunny uh, Saturday, well, not so sunny, Saturday morning. And <laughs> I want to uh, ask you to share with people um, about why did you run for office, just briefly. Well, I'm running for office because I am very displeased with um, our economic environment. I'm very displeased with our educational environment here in Frederick County. We can do so much better than um, what is being offered to us. And it, it was just one of those watershed moments where you go, okay, I've got to throw my name in, in the hat and, 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 and try to make a difference and, and just get off the, the, the roller coaster of just complaining about it. Good for you. Good for you. Get into action. Now, you're running against Karen Young, uh, the dynasty of the Young dynasty and, and uh, her husband and Iran and so forth. And the, there's a whole bunch of stuff there we won't get into. But but the point being that they are they are very progressive left in terms of their 
allegiance to the Democrat Party. And and by the way, the Democrat Party has put us in the position that we are. That means at the local, state and national level, their leadership, their decisions, and I'm going to say their lies. They have been misleading people and it's just flat out wrong. Now, and I don't mean just Karen. I say the Democrats have been misleading people in general. And so when they're when they're, you know, um, and and I believe that Karen's committed to human services. I've done some work with her. But when it comes down to voting, she will vote the Democrat way, period. They, they, toe, they toe the line. And there is no compromise there. Now, we have to listen, everybody. We have got to take control of, over Annapolis. It is spinning out of control off the charts going left. And you're at the point right now that. If we don't do something, we will be California. Hogan set us up for that. He aligned with Newsom. He aligned with Cuomo on on uh, COVID. Okay, that was the beginning of a tsunami of socialism here in Maryland. Now, Angela, I need your voice. I can't vote for you because you're not in my district, but I still need your voice in Annapolis to stop the insanity. Help us out here. Well, what I want people to understand about Karen Lewis Young's record, because, you know, people can say whatever they want to say about themselves, but at the end of the day, they have a record, a record of what they have done. And you are absolutely right in setting the uh, stage by explaining that from top to bottom, from federal to state, the Democrats have been in control and they are their voting record. Their policies are the reason why we are in the condition that we're in, because because they have been the, the, the party in power. People should understand that as of November 2nd, Maryland's ranking has dropped from 46 down to 44 for the worst places to do business. It's because the Democrats tax everybody to death. They tax us so much that we are not competitive with the states around, not even with the the states immediately around us. We are not a competitive place to do business. We've dropped down since they've been in leadership. You need to understand that. People need to understand that even during the pandemic, as we suffered through it, you know, when people were losing their jobs because their businesses were, were, were being shut down and, and they had, you know, their, their respite was to, you know, stay home and, 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 and watch, you know, the download streaming services. Well, they took advantage of that, realizing we were stuck in our homes. And she helped to override the governor's veto to force a $100 million uh, uh, tax burden on Marylanders through taxing digital download services such as Netflix, Hulu, and Spotify. You know, she, um, um, she helped to make Maryland even more dangerous because she helped to – she voted multiple times for the early release of repeat violent offenders like murderers rapists and sex offenders multiple times she voted for that so she has made maryland unnecessarily more dangerous her votes have made uh, her votes have been hostile to our children's education she voted in favor of house bill 978 which prevents school choice so that parents cannot remove their children from dangerous and otherwise failing schools uh, people need to understand the National Assessment of Educational Progress data uh, has released the, 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 the decline in our students' aptitude tests 
in uh, both mathematics and reading. In 2019, 19% of fourth graders scored below the basic national assessment of educational progress level, but now 25% perform below basic level. For reading in 2019, 34% of fourth graders read below the NAEP level, but now 37% read below the basic level. And for eighth graders, Scores in 2019 were 27%. Their reading scores, 27% below basic NAEP level. Now, 30% of eighth graders read below that level. So, and and just about anything you can bring up under Democrat leadership, we are worse off. Okay, and we need a change. Yes, we do. And I and I want to say, gosh, there's so much here. But here's what I want people to understand, and then we're going to close out this show. We have to support people like Angela. Angela, you're a veteran. Thank you for your service. You're a black woman who has stood up for conservative values. There's something we need to understand. And I had Preston on talking about the Hispanic community. The black community and the Hispanic community and the Asian community are moving conservative. They are voting conservative. And I think the polls that say we're losing are wrong. I agree. I think that the Republicans, I haven't been polled. The Republicans are not included in these polls. And I think we're going to be surprised on this on Tuesday. But here's the thing, guys. You got to get informed about the lies because they lie. They lie. They they withhold. They 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 misrepresent the information to manipulate you, the voter. And I don't know about you all, but that really ticks me off. Like, I don't want somebody lying to me. My son doesn't get to lie to me. My husband doesn't get to lie to me. My friends don't get to lie to me. And guess what? You as a politician, you don't get to lie to me either. And I agree. we need to know that your every vote counts for us in Annapolis right now. And I, I wish you Godspeed and good luck. Thank you so much for running. Your Can I just hero. add one thing? Yes. Can I just add one thing real, real quickly? Yes. Everyone, we need, it's not just... I who need to win, but in the House of Delegates, we need people who think like us. So we need we need you to vote for Justin Wages for delegate. We need you to vote for Kathy Diener for delegate in District Three. We and uh, we need allies is what I'm saying. So it's not just you know don't support us across the board. That is right on. Very important. Well well done. Well said. All right, Angela. Godspeed. We'll see you out on Tuesday. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. Bye bye. Everyone, here's what I want to do. I want to play a segment for you. It's a soundbite that this is back to the lies and the manipulation and the deceit and the name calling and the pettiness that are happening on the Democrat side. So Sonny Hostin on The View, which I can't even watch. I I just saw the soundbite on a news clip because I find that show absolutely reprehensible. Let's hear this, what she says about me, I'm a white woman, okay? And in Sweden, we call them kakalaka cockroaches. Take a listen. To me, is the abortion issue. Um, I read a, a poll just yesterday that white Republican suburban women are now going to vote Republican. Why? It's almost like roaches voting for raid, right? It's, it's I, I like think that's they're insulting. Voting, no, it's insulting they're voting to the against, voter. We, they're we, voting no, against no. their own self-interest. We, we do they want to live in Gilead? Okay, do so do we love it in the hands? Do we love tail? democracy or not? Because just saying that it's it's insulting to the voter. 
Yeah, I'm insulted. Okay, I'm super uber insulted. So you want to call me, you're likening white women to being a cockroach? Are you kidding me? If I said that about a black woman, I'd be censored and, and discontinued. I mean, that's outrageous. These are the lies and the manipulation and the nastiness that's coming from mainstream media and the and the um, reprehensible behavior and commentary. OK, so really, we need to start filtering through this stuff and making sure that we are in charge of our own minds and we're not allowing this kind of manipulation and deceit to get into our speaking and frankly our thought process and our decision making you've got to be discerning right now you have to be discerning that is something i learned over the last couple of years it's up to us to be able to look at something and say you know what something smells funny it just doesn't sit right with me but for her to comment and say that white women are cockroaches we're like cockroaches to raid or whatever she said okay that's crazy talk and we must not accept it, okay? We must not accept it. So get out and vote on Tuesday in huge numbers, okay? If you see something that looks weird, say something. And there are phone numbers to call, but you, you document everything where you're allowed to. If you see something that looks weird, take a picture or a videotape. You can't do it inside the polls. But listen, I'm Jennifer Charlton. This is Success Happens. Like and share my podcast wherever you got them. Rate us five stars because we're awesome. And subscribe. Success Happens every Saturday right here at 9 a.m. on WFMD. Have an awesome week.